About 15 years ago, there was a trend uh, that the popular thing was to take the name Baptist uh, out of your church's name. People thought there would be uh, maybe a better attendance by doing that. Uh, I don't know if they thought it had a bad connotation or maybe it would draw more people in. And so for whatever the reason, that was the trend. And there were many churches, you may have noticed that, there were many churches that were taking Baptist uh, out of their name. Uh, during that time, it was about 12, 13 years ago, uh, I taught a Wednesday night class here about uh, what a Baptist believes, and I'd spent time studying and considering what it means to be a Baptist. Well, during that time, I ran into somebody, and I was talking to them, and we were having a discussion, and they asked what I thought about their church taking the name Baptist out of their name, their church uh, had met about it. They'd had several meetings about it. They had discussed it. Uh, many in their area had done that, and they were growing, and so they liked the idea. And so this person asked me what I thought about. Uh, they're taking the name Baptist out of their name. Well, my response was uh, that I was actually considering a way to make Baptist bigger in our name. Well, that said, let me just tell you this. I am a Baptist. And I belong to and I lead a Baptist church and I am convinced that this is best for me, it is best for my family uh, in our walk with Christ in our service to our Lord. And so I'll just tell you that this evening as we begin our study, I am gladly and unapologetically a Baptist. Well, uh, all of that brings us to the point then of asking the question, why? Why am I a Baptist? Why are we a Baptist church, what does it mean to be a Baptist? What does it mean? Is there, is there a definition? Does it matter that we are Baptist? Uh, does it matter that some other folks are not Baptist? Uh, well, tonight we're going to answer those questions. We're going to start a process of answering those questions. Tonight we're going to start a detailed study. Uh, I believe it's going to be a very important study, a needed study, uh, I believe for all ages, especially for our, our younger people, those uh, with kids, a uh, study on everything Baptist. Uh, it's called Why a Baptist? Uh, I'm not sure how long it's going to take. Those are always kind of dangerous when we do that. Uh, I'm not sure how long it's going to take. I'm going to guess seven or eight weeks or so that we're going to do this on Sunday nights. I will promise you this. Uh, I believe it will be a beneficial study. I believe it will be a needed, good study for us as a church. I believe today uh, that there are many people attending Baptist churches that do not know why they are a Baptist. I don't know that they even know what that means. Uh, they do not know why they would attend a Baptist church uh, as opposed to some other church. I believe for sure there are many people inside of Baptist churches uh, that are operating on traditions and misperceptions. When I was a kid, we used to hear about not playing cards and not having mixed swimming and all those things. And, oh, you Baptists and how you have to drink in secret. And so there's many traditions and misperceptions about what it is to be a Baptist, lots of misinformation. And so we're going to see, and I believe this is what's going to hold true, it's always best to know the truth, and we'll benefit by knowing the truth. And so that is our goal in our study these weeks, to see the truth of what it means to be a Baptist, why we would be a Baptist, and determine if that is an important thing. Tonight we're going to begin... Uh, by looking at three very specific things uh, to get us started in this study. The first thing we're going to look at 
uh, is the question, what is our goal? What is our goal? Second thing we're going to look at, what is doctrine and why does it matter? What is doctrine and why does it matter? And then the third thing we're going to look at tonight is the question, should we group up uh, to worship uh, and to serve Christ? Should we form local churches according to matters of doctrine? And that's a big question, and that's really a foundational question for this study. Should we group up uh, forming local churches uh, to worship and to serve our Lord together based upon matters of doctrine? And so those are the three things that we're going to start off with in our study tonight. All right, starting off, the first uh, question we're going to look at tonight is this. What is our goal? What is our goal uh, as believers, now I'm talking about as individual believers, not as the church, not for our church, but as an individual believer, what is our goal? Now I want you to be sure and see this, that is the starting place and we need to settle that and we need to remember that and then we need to come back and revisit that. So all the way through our study, we're going to come back uh, to this goal. Now, what is our goal? All right, listen very carefully. Our goal is to be New Testament followers of Jesus Christ. That is our goal as a believer. Our goal is to be a New Testament follower of Jesus Christ. Now what that means is we want to follow Christ and we want to follow Christ in all of the ways exactly prescribed to us in the Word of God, the Bible. And so yes, I want to follow Christ, but I want to do it as he has told us, as he has led us to follow him in the word of God, our Bible. We want to take our cues as a believer from God's word, from the Bible. Uh, we want to set our priorities based upon the word of God, our Bibles. We want our actions as we go uh, through the, the things of life. We want our actions to be led by the word of God, our Bibles. We want our mission, uh, what it is that we're seeking to do, to come from the Word of God, our Bible. We want to be New Testament followers of Jesus Christ. Now, that's the first stake uh, we want to drive down. What do I want to be as a follower of Jesus? I want to be a New Testament follower of Jesus Christ. Be very sure. The Bible doesn't just tell us how to be saved. Now, there are some folks that act like that. Well, it tells us how to be saved. You've gotten saved. That's a good thing. Set your Bible down and then move on through life. The Bible doesn't just tell us how to be saved. Uh, it very clearly tells us how to live as saved people. And so understand, what is our goal? Now, I want you to hear this. It is not to live as a Baptist. That is not our goal. It is not to fit into some denominational mold. Well, this denomination holds these things, and I want to be part of that denomination, and so I've got to match those things. Our goal is not to fit some denominational mold. Our goal is to be a New Testament follower of Jesus Christ. Now, if you ask me if I'm a Baptist, I'll say, yes, I'm a Baptist. But listen, that's not my goal. My goal is to follow Christ exactly as he is prescribed in his word. The goal is to be New Testament followers of Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to keep coming back to that. We're going to keep revisiting that as we move through our points uh, all the way through these weeks. All right, that's the first question. Second question is this. What is doctrine 
and why does it matter? What is doctrine, and why does it matter? Now, let me tell you this. I think when people today hear the word doctrine, uh, there's something that triggers in their mind, and they think, well, that's a bunch of rules. Well, that's a bunch of, of, of stipulations, of regulations. I think when we hear the word doctrine, we're going to talk about doctrine. I think people think, well, that's some deep theological fact uh, that people are going to debate, and I don't want to get caught up in those debates, and I think our minds go there. Or I think a whole bunch of us, when we hear the word doctrine, we think boring. That's just boring. You know what? I don't want to do that. I want to do the main things. I don't want to get caught up in doctrine. That is boring. People say to me, and they've said it several times, uh, maybe, you, maybe you've heard people say this, but people come and they'll say, you know what? I don't want to get caught up in doctrine. I see bad things that happen to people that get caught up in doctrine. I just want to follow Jesus. And they say, you know what? I just want to follow Jesus. I don't want to get caught up in doctrine. I, I hear some folks and they say, uh, here at our church, we're not concerned about doctrine. Uh, I've started believing them when they say that. Uh, but at our, at our church, we're not concerned about doctrine. We're just here uh, to follow Jesus. What is doctrine and why does it matter? Well, the word doctrine, it is a New Testament word. In, in the Greek language, it actually means very simply teaching. Doctrine means teaching. And so doctrine refers to the teachings that we hold or that we embrace. Doctrine refers to the teachings that we hold or that we embrace. In the Bible, there are verses about the doctrines of men. There are verses that talk about the doctrines of men, the teachings of men. Now, there are verses that talk about the doctrines of demons, uh, the false teachings that would come uh, from the demonic. And so there's the doctrines of demons. And then there is the doctrine of God's word. What that means, the teaching of God's word. Well, remember our first step. If our goal is to be a New Testament follower of Jesus Christ, to do that, we're going to have to discern and we're going to have to hold and we're going to have to teach the New Testament doctrine, biblical doctrine. Okay, I want to be a New Testament follower of Jesus Christ. Well, if that's actually what I'm going to do, if what we're going to carry out is going to match that, then we're going to have to discern and we're going to have to hold and we're going to have to embrace uh, the biblical doctrine, the New Testament doctrine. Let me give you an example on that. If you're here and you would say this, I want to follow Jesus. And I think most folks, you, you say that and they, they understand that. That resonates with them. I want to follow Jesus. I don't want to get caught up in these, these things. I don't want to get caught up in any of that stuff. I just want to follow Jesus. Folks say that all the time. I just want to follow Jesus. Well, I need to tell you there's the Muslim version of Jesus. Uh, according to the Muslims, he was a great prophet. According to the, to the Muslims, he's not the son of God. He is not the Savior. And so there's that version of Jesus. Well, you could run into uh, the Jehovah Witness Jesus. And they would say Jesus is the son of God but he's not equal to God. He's not part of the Trinity. He was created by God. 
Uh, they believe Jesus was not physically raised from the dead. And so you could run into them and they say, you love Jesus, let us tell you our version of Jesus, and that's the version you would get. You might run into a Mormon somewhere, and man, they love our language, and they would say the word Jesus. We're the church of Jesus Christ, of Latter-day Saints for, 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 uh, for sake. Uh, yes, we believe in Jesus. Yes, we hold the truth of Jesus. Here's what they believe of Jesus. He was the child of God and Mary, the spirit child of, of God and Mary in, a, in an actual union. Uh, he was a man who progressed and became a God. He was a man who became a God. He is an example for us. And they would say, you know what, that's what we want to do as well. We are people and we can be gods ourselves. And so that example in Christ, in Jesus, that is our example to follow as well. And that is their version of Jesus. Uh, there, there's Gandhi. And a lot of folks like the teachings of Gandhi, the mindset of Gandhi. Uh, Gandhi actually loved Jesus. Uh, he talked about the ideals and the values that were taught by Jesus. He actually said Jesus was one of the great teachers of all of mankind. But Gandhi would also say he's not the incarnate son of God. He is not God, uh, and he could not believe that truth. That was his version of Jesus. Uh, I could keep going on and on, but we can see here very quickly to say that I want to follow Jesus, that's what I want to do, is not enough. We have to discern, we have to hold, we have to embrace and to teach the biblical doctrine of Jesus. Who does the Bible say that Jesus is? Let me give you another example. This one, this one happens all the time as well. Somebody comes along and they say, I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven of my sin. I want to be right with God. I want, I want to have eternal life. I want to be able to know I'm going to go to heaven. And so I want to be saved. You come to me and say, you know what, I want to be saved. That happened a couple times this morning. Okay, great. There are some that teach right now that you're saved in church membership. And so you have to belong to the right church, and belonging to that church means that you are saved. And outside of the membership of that church, that you're not saved. And so you'd come to them and say, I want to be saved. They'd say, great, you have to go to the process to join this church. Uh, there are others that would say you're saved by doing good things. And they would say it's like a set of scales, and when your set of scales tips to the good side, and your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds at that, at that point that you're saved. And so they would say, get on a treadmill of works. You want to be saved? Do good things. There are others that say right now that you're saved through baptism. And it's baptism that saves you. And so they would say, if you're going to be saved, you're going to have to be baptized. And if you're not baptized, if you're just getting close to getting baptized, but you're not baptized, they would say you're not saved. And so if you came across them, and said, hey, I, I want to be saved. They would say, hey, we need to go to the baptismal waters. There are others that would say, you want to be saved? Well, you're saved by paying penance. You have to say these things. You have to repeat these things. You have to do these things. Now, they actually say you can pay a man of money. You have to pay this thing. And in that, you can pay penance and buy your salvation. Now, some of those folks teach 
that somebody can do that for you after uh, you're dead. You never had a relationship with Christ. It's clear you're not saved. That breaks their hearts. You know what? I'll go somewhere and I'll pay enough money and I'll say the right things and we'll get that person saved anyway. Now, there are people today, a growing set of people, that say all people are going to be saved. And so don't worry about it. You want to be saved? Try the best you can. Well, all people are going to be saved. Now, there's a whole lot of folks that say um, you can be saved and, and everybody's saved unless they do a really bad thing. Now, I've never understood uh, what crosses the line into a really bad thing, uh, but this murderer, no, they're not saved. Uh, Hitler, no, he, he could never be saved. And as long as you don't do something too terrible, then you can be saved. And they would tell you those things. All of those ideas of what it means to be saved. Now, I've told the story before. I actually went to a funeral one time, and I remember thinking, I don't, the gospel's not here. It's not taught here. Uh, nobody here seems to know the gospel. It was a very hopeless feeling. And this preacher, I guess, was trying to make the best of the situation, and they said that this person is in heaven because they were nice to animals and kept a nice yard. And I remember sitting back there going, that's, that's the most ludicrous thing. Can you imagine all the people here today going to go home and start their lawnmower and say, well, I'm not missing hell. I've got me a, I'm going to bag it this time. To be saved, you need the biblical doctrine, the biblical teaching of salvation. You have to discern that. You have to have it to hold it and to teach the biblical doctrine of salvation. So we see here, doctrine does matter. It is imperative to a church. It is critical to a church. You cannot know the truth outside of the teaching of truth. You cannot know the truth outside of true doctrine. But... I want you to see this on this same part, and I want you to be clear of this, and I want, to, I want to say it probably several times throughout our study, but be sure and understand this. Our goal is to be New Testament followers of Jesus Christ. I want you to be sure we are not looking for Baptist doctrine. We're not looking for conservative doctrine. Now, there's a lot of folks that, that go and, and say, I want to add this word before doctrine. Uh, and, and there's books on Baptist doctrine. There's, there's books on all those things. We're not trying to go out and to match what it is we're looking for. We're going to follow biblical doctrine. So listen, we're not, again, seeking to have Baptist doctrine. We're not trying to, to, to push that on folks. What we want to do is discern what the Bible has said and practice the truth of God's word. So see here. Biblical doctrine is of utmost importance. All right, third question, kind of a hard question, kind of a weird question coming in. Somebody said, I don't know how you're going to go through this study and not offend a lot of folks. We may offend some folks. I don't know. Uh, but the third question is this. So should we group up uh, to worship and to serve together, forming local churches on the basis of doctrine? That is the question. So, should we group up? Uh, should we to come together to worship and to serve together, form local church churches based on doctrine? 
Now think about that for a second. When I, when I first asked that, doesn't that seem weird? Should we split off? Should we make a group? Doesn't that seem weird? Isn't that divisive? Oh, that sounds divisive. You're going you're gonna to group up? That, that sounds divisive. That doesn't sound uh, very kind. It sounds kind of rude. Listen very carefully. Should we group up to worship, to serve together, forming local churches based on doctrine? Hear me very carefully here. It is the reason that we would. It is the reason that we would. Listen to this. And it is the only valid reason that we should. It is the only valid reason that we should. Let me say, and be sure and hear this. We should never do that based upon wealth, skin color, education, likes, dislikes, political parties. Separating on doctrine should be the only reason that we would separate. So you say, is that a good thing? I would tell you it's the only reason we should do that thing. Years ago, and I'm talking 50, 60, 70 years ago, uh, there, was a, there was a model in many churches, some of you will recognize this, uh, it, it especially existed in Baptist churches, uh, that we would see a neighborhood or a group of people. We would have a heart toward those folks, and we would see those folks, we would see that group of people, that neighborhood of people, and we would say, you know what, they need Jesus. And, and, and they sure need Jesus, and they need the gospel, and they need the truth of God's word. And we would see that those folks, we'd say, you know what they need? They need a church. But you know what? They're not welcome in our church. And we, we see them down there, and they need the gospel, and they need a church. But, but they, they're not welcome in our church. And so here's what we did. We decided we'll start a mission church. And we'll start a mission church, and they'll have their church, and they'll get the gospel, and it'll be a good thing, uh, but they're not going to come to our church. And many churches had them. That was the model for a lot of folks for a lot of years. Uh, here's, here's what I say in hindsight. Uh, the best thing would have been to say, welcome to our church, and come on to us with us and fellowship in our church, and, and get on what God's doing here in his church church. Uh, let, let me say this, and, and this upsets some folks, but I, I believe this. Um, in the last 20 years, uh, there has been great growth in the cowboy church model. Uh, that, that is a model of doing church. There's been great growth in it, uh, especially in some areas. You go down I-35, and some of those towns uh, on each side of I-35, there are, are cowboy churches running 15, 1,800 people in uh, that style of church, they are growing crazily. Um, one time, it's been, it's been about 10 or 12 years ago, uh, somebody asked if I would consider pastoring uh, one of these cowboy churches. Um, my answer was this. Uh, my idea is that the church should be all people. And that's, that's what I believe. I think all people should fit into the church. And all people should be welcome in the church. And I'll just tell you, if there's some that do not feel welcome, there's something going wrong in, in how, you're, how you're moving in the church. And I don't care if you're a mechanic 
or if you work in the oil field, or if you're a doctor, or if you're a salesman, or if you're a rich person, if you're a poor person, or if you're a single person, if you're a married person, I don't care if you rode up on a horse or on a Harley Davidson, you should be able to say, that's my church, and I love my church. And you know what? There, I know there are reasons behind it, and maybe they're reaching folks that way, and praise the Lord for that. I'm not against it, but I think it is a silly thing when we would say we'll, we'll separate and we'll divide for anything but the truth of God's word. The church is supposed to be people of every walk, uh, every situation that comes together. So why do we have all these churches? So why do we have all these churches? On this block, we have a church right here. I always think it's funny to walk out in the morning and they're, they're walking in, we're walking in, we kind of look over and they, we wave at them and they go in over at their place and there's a church over here, a church, two of them down here on this corner. Uh, we have all these churches. Why do we have all these churches? Well, let's, let's go back to a basic thing. What is the church? What is the church? We can look at several definitions. Uh, I'm gonna go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, Verse 15, what is the church? 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, Paul's writing to Timothy, he says this, but in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. This is how you do church, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Let me read that verse again. But in case I'm delayed, I'm going to go ahead and write it. I write it so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. All right, so what is the church? We get some clues here. The first thing, it is the household of God. Uh, that, that is a, a pretty um, rich description. It, the church is the household of God. What is a household? Uh, it is a family. It is a grouping, and the reason they're grouped together in the household is they belong to the same family. There are strong bonds in the family. Now, is in, the, in the family, does everybody agree? No. Uh, in their family, are people different? Yes. But this is our family. This is my family, and we have that bond in the family. Well, that is the description given to the church. We group together, we bind together, we have the bonds, the same bonds that a family would have. We are of the household of God. Now there's another description here, the pillar and support of the truth. The pillar and support of the truth. Now I wanna talk about those two things. The pillar, uh, a pillar is what holds something up. And so we are a pillar of the truth. That's what the Bible says. That means the church is to hold up the truth. The church is to proclaim the truth. We are to make known the truth. In our crazy world, the world that we're living in right now, where the truth is sometimes impossible to find, when the truth is being robbed out from under us, to find the truth, if you want to know the truth, you ought to be able to look to the church, and when you look to the church, the truth ought to be standing on a pillar. You know what, I don't know the truth about marriage. I don't know the truth 
about how to handle my finances. I don't know the truth about how to be saved. I don't know the truth of what our future is in this messed up world. You ought to be able to look to the church, and when you look to the church, you ought to see and find the truth. People come and they, they pick churches. What about the music? I don't like that music. I don't like that style of music. But what about where the popular people are going? I want to go at the in place, the in vogue place. What about the stuff they have? I, I like their stuff better than the other places' stuff. I, I like the things they have here for their kids. Listen, there's one thing. The church is to be the pillar upholding the truth of God's word. There's a second part of that, and that is this. The support of the truth. The support of the truth. That word, uh, in the Greek, you go look it up in the original language, that word means base, foundation, a support, literally, a stay. Uh, one, one translation said this, and I liked it, to settle firmly, to settle firmly. Here's what that means. The church is to have studied the truth of God's word, evaluated the truth of God's word, prayed about the truth of God's word, considered the truth of God's word so as to know the truth of God's word. How are we saved? We're saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. We ought to know the truth of God's word. That is the strong foundation, watch this, that the pillar can rise up out of. So we're to discern God's word, set in concrete our understanding of God's word, and then upon that foundation, the pillar rises up that holds up the truth of God's word. Now, let, me, let me give an illustration for that. I don't usually do weird things in sermons or when I teach um, but we're going to do something a little bit weird tonight. This half over here, there's more of y'all over here. Your answer is no. Your answer is no. Whatever the question, your answer is no. Got that? Your answer is no. no you're not going to think about it. It's no. You believe no. Some of you are good at that already. <laughs> Let's practice that. I'm going to point to this side and you just tell me your answer. That's not loud enough. What is your answer? So it's no, okay? These folks here, man, y'all been watching college football. Y'all been doing things. Y'all been busy. Uh, y'all <laughs> haven't had a lot of time to look into it. And so you know what your answer is? I don't know. I don't know. And so it doesn't matter what the question is. When I look at you, you say, I don't know. I don't know. And so I'm, I'm going to point you and I want your answer. You don't know? <laughs> that's, that's a good answer. All right. Say that one more time. All right, guess what? Y'all do know. Y'all know. And so your answer is yes. And so when I look at y'all, your answer is yes. All right, let's practice. Yes. What is it? A little bit louder. Yes. There's not as many people. You have to be louder. Yes. All right. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm going to ask some questions. And I want you to loudly declare your answer. All right? I'm going to ask a question, and the answer that you have, I want, I want you to loudly declare your answer. Is Jesus the Son of God? Yes. Hold on, I didn't hear, I didn't get that. Is Jesus the Son of God? Yes. Did Jesus ever sin? Yes. 
Somebody already, somebody already flip-flopped. Are we saved by faith alone? Yes. Isn't there something we ought to do? Yes. Does baptism save you? Yes. Man, there's heretics on this side. <laughs> Here's a good question. It's just calm. We need to settle it. Can you ever be lost if you're saved? I don't know. <laughs> so, somebody over here said, yes, they can. Here, here's, the, here's the question of that example. Does that sound like a foundation that we can be a pillar of the truth for? And so I want to tell you, the, the second part of that, the support of the truth, that is where we solidify the foundation where we're agreeing in the answer that when the foundation is solid, then the pillar can stand upholding the truth of God's word. Let me show you 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. It says, all of you be harmonious, means in harmony. Have you ever listened to someone sing and they're not in harmony? Be harmonious. Uh, Romans 15, verse 6, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify God. That's what the church is to be, one accord. That didn't sound like one accord. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you. Hold on a minute. That's what it says. But that you be made complete in the same mind. That's what the Bible says, that you are unified, that you have the same mind. That same mind, if you look it up, it means the same understanding having come to the same conclusion. The verse says, and in the same judgment. And so if we read the Bible and we seek to discern the Bible and if we come to different conclusions and if those conclusions are on the core tenets of our faith, there is no way to answer in unity there's no way to answer in confidence. And so if we're going to have integrity in the church, we have to be able to say, you know what, that's not my belief set. And I, I believe you've studied the scripture, and that's not your conclusion, but that's not my belief set. And I believe as a group, as a church, we have to be able to say, you know what, that's not my belief set. When I, when I, when I look at scripture, that's not what I believe. That's not what we believe. That is not our belief set. And that is why there's a church right there and two churches down there and one church over there. We have said that is not our understanding. Should we group up to serve and to worship, forming local churches based on doctrine? Here's the answer to that. It would be unprofitable and it would be dishonest not to. It would be unprofitable and dishonest not to. All right, we're going to stop right there tonight. Next week, um, we're going to talk about something pertinent, the age of ecumenicalism. Uh, that is the age we're living in. There's a push to say we're all the same. Uh, the Catholic Church, some of them are saying, you know what, we're the same as the Lutheran Church, and they're saying to another church, they're even bringing in non-Christian belief sects, uh, the, the age of ecumenicalism, to put everything in one hump. We're, we're in that age. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what about differences? What about other denominations? What do we say about other denominations? What about the differences? 
And then next week, we're going to start to move forward as to our understanding of the Baptist faith, and we're going to talk about the original distinction. There is one distinction uh, that actually started the grouping uh, moving to, to a different place. And so we're going to talk about the original distinction. Glad you're here tonight. I believe it's important. I believe it's important to have this understanding uh, to be able to discuss it. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. We're going to sing our closing song. Glad you're here this evening. Dear Father, we come, and I, I pray, Lord, that we come uh, with, with hearts to hear and with minds that are open to learn. I pray, the Lord, that you would lead us as your people. And, and Lord, we, we're not here to be Baptists. We're not here to match up with the denomination. We're not here to, to please or seek the approval of any earthly group. Uh, we're here to walk with you. And we're here to praise you and to serve you and to know you. And so I pray, Lord, that you show us. Uh, we come in great humility asking that you show us how best to do that. Lord, I pray for this church. I pray that you would use us. I pray that you'd be known through us. I pray that you'd be glorified in what we do. Uh, I, I pray for the, the folks here tonight. Bless them, uh, their families, moms and dads and kids and grandparents. Other folks, our church members, bless them. As we go into a new week, help us to be mindful of our, our priorities set by your word. Help us to be useful for your namesake. I, I do pray for so many that have, have lost folks uh, that, that are going through that process for, for, for folks that are sick, that are ill. I, I hold them up to you as well. And I know you're faithful and I know you're trustworthy. I'm thankful for Again, Lord, those that came and made decisions this morning, I, I pray that you'd bless them, and I pray that they find a church that is a pillar and a stronghold of the truth of, word of, of the Word of God. We love you and we praise you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen.